1 Samuel chapter number 1, 1 Samuel chapter number 1, and uh, while you're turning there, let me remind you about the uh, service this evening at 6 o'clock, <clears throat> and this morning we're going to read uh, several verses in this chapter, and I want you to listen uh, very carefully to me. Um, this, this message will be a help uh, to you this morning if you allow it to be. The most important decision you'll ever make is, 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 is about your salvation, is believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ in Christ alone. If you've never done that, I trust that you'll allow the Spirit of God to speak to you and you'll realize your need of salvation. After salvation, uh, the biggest danger, after a, a person's saved, after we're uh, born again, uh, the biggest danger we have, if you will, in our Christian life is quitting, is giving up through discouragement, through difficulty, through defeats. And I want to bring a message this morning that I think will help us, so I trust that you'll give me your attention. Look at reading verse number 4, 1 Samuel chapter number 1. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Paninah his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah. But the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. As he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not, and why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. She was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow, and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed... Look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but wilt give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. It came to pass, as she continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. And now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. I want you to look at this passage of Scripture. We're going to look at Hannah, the mother of the prophet Samuel. And I believe there's much for us to learn this morning, and this morning I'm going to preach on this subject, what Hannah's heartache teaches us, what Hannah's heartache teaches us. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray that as we look into the scripture this morning, I pray that the word of God would be real to us, the word of God will be solutions for the problems that we have. I pray this morning once again that there's someone here uncertain of their eternity, may they get that settled. I trust this morning that your will will be done. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
like for you to give me close attention this morning, and uh, this is not a subject that I uh, would preach often on the Sunday morning, but I believe uh, it's what the Lord would have for us today. I love God's church. I love the Emmanuel Baptist Church. One of the amazing things about God's church is the different people that he brings together under the church. But if you just take a casual look around this morning, it will not take you long to see uh, people from different backgrounds, uh, people from uh, different upbringings, uh, people who've come to the Lord in different ways, have lived different lives, but all have the same Savior, all have the same book, all have the same God, and we rejoice in the fact that we have a church. But I point out that there are a lot of differences uh, among us. But there's one thing that is true among all of us, that if we do not have a heartache today, we will have one in the future. And a heartache is something that can hinder us from fulfilling not just our responsibilities in life, but our responsibilities to God, our responsibilities as a Christian. In the service this morning, there are some who uh, you had, you've had your... And by the way, if your heart's not broken today, just live a little bit longer and you'll have it broken. But in the service this morning, there are uh, some who sit here and you have a broken heart because of uh, the actions and the disappointment of others. There are children who have been disappointed by their parents. There's parents who have been disappointed and heartbroken by the actions of their children. In the service, there are single moms who uh, have had a, uh, their husband, the father of their children, walk out on them and leave them with the responsibility of caring for the home. There are widows. There are widowers. Uh, there are many who uh, have situations that we don't even know of this morning. Many have buried children. Many have buried parents. Many have buried a loved one who has, uh, they've lost someone way too soon. This morning, I want to look at this passage of Scripture, and I want us to be reminded that God created all of us. God knows what we go through. God knows how we react to what we go through. And God has given us a book that will tell us how to deal with the disappointments of life, how to deal with having our heart broken. Friend, this morning as your pastor, I wish I could tell you you'll never be disappointed in life. I wish I could tell you there's an explanation for the sorrow that you go through. There is an explanation, but not one that I can offer many times. I wish I could tell you that you'd never have your heart broken and uh, life is just nothing but sunshines and, and rainbows, but that's just not the reality. I want us to focus this morning our attention to our text. And by way of introduction this morning, I want to point out three things by way of introduction. I see a question asked of Hannah, a statement about Hannah, and a statement by Hannah. Let me say that again. There's a question asked of Hannah. There's a statement about Hannah. And there's a statement by Hannah. I point these three things out. We'll look at them a little bit more closely in just a moment. Because it helps us to identify the emotions and the situation that Hannah was experiencing. And by identifying with what she is going through... It gives us a point of relation 
to what we may experience in our life. Look at verse number 8, and we find the question that is asked of Hannah. Then said Elkanah, her husband to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? Notice this question. And why is thy heart grieved? Hannah had a grieving heart. The question asked of Hannah revealed a source, the point of really where we get our story this morning. There was something that has taken place in her life that she had dealt with for many years. And we find this question, why is thy heart grieved? It was obvious uh, to, to Elkanah, her husband, who loved her very, very much, that, that the, her heart was grieved. Now, notice a statement now about Hannah. We find that in verse number 10. It is not a question asked of her. It is now a statement about her. And the Bible says, and she was in bitterness of soul. It does not say she was bitter at God. It doesn't say she was bitter at Elkanah. It doesn't say she was bitter at even Peninnah, who, who mocked her. It says that she was in bitterness of soul. You say, Pastor, what is that pointing out? What does that mean? It means that she was in pain. She was in, in intense pain and sorrow internally. It was in her soul. If you've ever been shocked by the report of someone you love who was taken from you in an instant. There's a bitterness of soul in the grieving process. If you've ever been disappointed, if someone's ever betrayed you, if you've ever been dealt a blow that we are dealt with in life many times, you understand, you can relate to the, the pain that she was going through. I'm not talking about some minor disappointment we have in life that we can just get over and move on. I'm talking about things, and the Scripture tells us that she went through this for years. Year after year after year, she was, 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 was possessed with this grief. Her heart had grieved, and now we find that statement that declares that she was in bitterness of soul. Let me point out again, there's a difference in being bitter than what the Scripture is talking about. Being angry at what God has done. Being angry at what somebody else has done. Friend, if you've been wronged by somebody, uh, that somebody's wronged you, you ought to forgive them. So, Pastor, you don't understand what they did. I don't have to because the Bible says uh, what the Bible says about forgiveness. But that disappointment, that hurt, that sorrow had taken its toll on Hannah. We've seen the question asked of Hannah. I point out the statement about Hannah. Now I want to mention the statement made by Hannah is in verse number 15. Again, I point these three things out because it gives us the state that Hannah was living in, and we can find some relation to it. She says in verse 15, And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. She lived in a state of sorrow. Her grief, her heartache, had taken its toll 
with time. She now lived and would declare of herself, I have a woman of sorrowful spirit. It consumed her. It overtook her. It's what she had to deal with. Now, let me, bear, let me point out, this is not a self-inflicted event that she's dealing with. She's not the prodigal who went to the far country, who has the scars and the, and the pain of going against the Word of God. This is life. This is disappointment. This is something that she felt was the will of God for her that seemingly was going to pass her by. This is something that it questioned by the one who loved her dearly. Why? Why is thy heart so grieved? A statement made about her, the Bible declares that she was in bitterness of soul. She said about herself, my testimony is this, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. Now that is the condition that we find Hannah. Now let me give you the message this morning of how her heartache speaks to us and teaches us. Because, friend, if you don't have one today, you're going to have a heartache. Let me just say this as your pastor. You still should serve God with your heartache. You should still fulfill your responsibilities with your heartache. Having a heartache is no excuse for you to quit on God. Being disappointed is no excuse for a man to walk out on his wife, walk out on his kids, you fulfill the responsibilities God has given you. Let me say before we get into the outline this morning, so life has thrown you a curveball. You've been disappointed. You never thought you'd find yourself without your mate. You never thought you'd have a situation where you'd not have a relationship with somebody that you love. You never thought you'd be betrayed like you were betrayed. You never thought you'd have the heartache that you had. Let me tell you, it's real to have a grieving heart. It is real to have some bitterness of soul. It is a real thing to be sorrowful in spirit because life can take that kind of a toll on you. But friend, that is no excuse to ever point your finger at God and blame God for anything. It is no excuse to shirk your responsibilities as a husband, as a wife, as a father, as a mother, as a son, as a daughter, as a friend, as a Christian. It is no excuse to quit on God, to quit on anybody else. So let's just get that established right now because all of us, God is far better to us than we deserve. All of us deserve to pay for our sin, but yet God loved us enough that he sent his son to die on the cross to pay for our sins. And friend, if you're saved this morning, everything else is just a bonus. If you're saved this morning, everything else that we get to do for him is just a little bit extra. But sorrow of heart, too many Christians, I've seen it through the years, too many Christians use life as an excuse to quit on life. Well, when I promised God I was going to serve him, this had not taken place. Well, did you put conditions on your promise? Has God changed? Let's look, and I think some things will be a help to us. Number one, 
I want us to see there were circumstances beyond her control. Look at verse 5. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. The Lord had shut up her womb. She wanted a child. She, it was, she, was, she, was, she was consumed with the fact. It was something that she felt that she was supposed to have, especially in this day. For a woman to not be able to bear a child, there was a stigmatism, a stigma placed on them. She, she wanted, this is something that was a good thing. It was not a bad thing. But the Lord has shut up her womb. It was beyond her control. Friend, the first thing I want us to see, sometimes things happen in life that are beyond anybody's control. The book of Ecclesiastes speaks much of this. Sometimes God, there's not, everything is not in our control. We have no say in the matter. We cannot adjust the matter. We cannot change it. It's just reality. And quite frankly, there are a lot of people today who have a hard time with reality. She couldn't control it. And look what the result was of that which was beyond her control. Verse number 7. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, notice these next three words, therefore she wept. Verse number 10. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. There was a lot of tears shed by Hannah because of something she had no control over. Hey, can I help you this morning, friend? You're not the first one to weep. You won't be the last one either. I'm not minimizing your sorrow this morning. I'm not minimizing your burden this morning. But we find there's a circumstance that she could not control. And scripture tells us in two different places that she wept sore. She wept bitterly. She was consumed. She was brokenhearted to the point that even in verse number 7, she wept and she couldn't even eat. This was all a result of circumstances beyond her control. Say, Pastor, why do you point that out? Because all of us from time to time deal with circumstances that are beyond our control. Let me help you. Stop trying to control it. It's beyond your control. Let me help you. Quit being frustrated with yourself because it's beyond your control. Let me help you this morning. Quit casting that gaze upward. Putting that on God because it's a circumstance you cannot control. There were circumstances beyond her control. Friend, sometimes in life there's just things you can't control. Number two. Others misunderstood and misinterpreted her situation. Notice verse number 5 and 6. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. Now, Elkanah had two wives. Obviously, we know of Hannah. And Paninah was, was also his wife. 
And when it was time for the sacrifices, it was time to uh, divide those things up. He would divide all those things up. And we see in verse 5, But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord has shut up her womb. Verse 6, And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret, because the Lord has shut up her womb. Hannah could not have children. Hannah could have children. And she rubbed it in her face. She gloried in the fact she had something that Hannah did not have. Friend, you and I need to get to the place where we need to understand that others not only misunderstand, misrepresent the situation that we're in. There are cruel people in this world, but let me also point out that verse number 8, Elkanah. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? And why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? See, gentlemen, you're not the first one to not be able to understand your wife. Why is your heart not grieved? Notice what he says. Am not I better to thee than ten sons? That was probably... A, a, a fair statement. I believe Elkanah was good to her. I believe Elkanah took care of her. The scripture says he loved her deeply. But yet he could not even understand. Why? Because it wasn't his burden. It, it wasn't what he was dealing with. He, 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 in his mind, you could compare this to this. But in the individual who was going through that situation... Even somebody who cared very deeply for her just could not understand it. Then we find Eli in verse 14. And Eli said unto her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. Just a second ago I said, Men, you're not the first husband to not be able to understand your wife. Apparently I'm not the first preacher to think that some of their church members are drunk in the church house. So... There's much for us to get from the word of God today. Verse 14, and Eli said unto her, how long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. Eli misunderstood. So, Pastor, why do you point out with this? I point out that nobody can understand, humanly speaking, when you have a heartache, when you have a heartbreak, what you go through. So there's a lot of ap practical applications on that. Don't get upset when they can't understand. And then when we're all around someone who is dealing with a heartache, be sensitive to the fact that they're going through something that you can't understand. Don't ever make the statement about somebody who is grieving, somebody who is bitterness of soul, somebody who is a, uh, a, 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 has a sorrowful spirit. Why can't they just get together and move on? Because you don't have an understanding of what they're dealing with. But let me also say, it is not an excuse for you to have a pity party because nobody else understands. Because my Bible tells me there is one that understands every situation that we could possibly be in. 
There is one who created us who knows our heartache, who knows what we deal with, who knows the difficulty we go through. And matter of fact, he's the one who sustains us through those dark times. He's the one whose hand keeps us upright when we don't know how we survive the day and get through the circumstance. He is the one who cares. The Bible tells us he collects our tears. He's aware of our heartache. He knows all about us. But there's going to be some that just don't understand. I'm going to get to the crux of the message in the last two points, but let me segue into that with this. They're not supposed to understand. We look for understanding in places we weren't designed to get understanding. We look for consolation in places God never intended for us to get consolation. Don't miss this. We come to verse number 11. We know that in verse 10 she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept sore. In verse 11, and she vowed a vow. Here's the third thing I want us to see this morning. Hannah did what she could in the situation. She said, this is what I'm dealing with. It has taken a toll on me, but I'm going to do everything I can do. She went and she made a vow to God. And she said, God, and I'm paraphrasing, and it's there in verse number 11. If you give me this, I'll do, I'll give, I'll give this child back to you. I'll make it a vow unto you. I'm holding myself accountable to what I do. Hear me this morning, friend. I'm trying to help you. There are too many Christians who have a broken heart, too many Christians who have been disappointed, and they sit around and they feel sorry for themselves, seeking consolation from other people, and we were never intended to be consoled by anybody but God. Praise God for those in our lives that do comfort us. There's nothing wrong with that. But friend, too many are sitting around feeling sorry for themselves, waiting for God to roll back time, waiting for God to change circumstances. And certainly, he's capable of changing circumstances. But I believe we need a revival among brokenhearted people to hold ourselves accountable to what we can do. So you've been disappointed. Don't miss church. So you're shedding some tears. Shed them on the altar. So, so you've, been, you've got a heartache, you've got a burden, you've got things that you have. Life is just different now. Hannah vowed a vow. Hannah said, God, I'm going to do my part. The truth of the matter is, there's a lot of Christians that don't ever get over their broken heart. They don't ever get it mended. They don't ever, they get that bitterness of soul, but bitterness of heart. There's a difference. They get bitter at God. They get bitter at man. They get bitter at life. It's because they sit and they wallow in their disappointment and their sorrow. And they never take action themselves. Let me ask you a question if you have a heartache this morning. Are you doing more or less for God because of it? Is an excuse to you. 
is an excuse. Well, God could change. Yes, he could. He may or may not. But what are you doing? So, Pastor, you just don't understand what I'm going through. I'd probably understand a little bit more than you think I would understand. But I promise you this. Before my heart was ever broken, God was good to me. And after it was broken, he's still good to me. Before my heart was broken, the sun rose. After it was broken, the sun still, sun still, the sun still shines. Before my heart was broken, heaven was real. Jesus died on the cross and paid for my sins. After it was broken, salvation is just as real. Heaven is just as real. God is just as good. Salvation is just as free for any man who would receive the free gift. Friend, I'm, I'm not minimizing your heartache. I'm not minimizing your tears. I'm not minimizing the burden that you live with. I'm just saying, don't allow it to be that which writes your epitaph as an individual, as a Christian, as a mom, as a dad, as a friend, as a child of God. You do what you can do. You determine you're never going to quit. You promise God, I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep moving forward. God, as long as you give me breath in my body, I'll keep moving forward. As long as I can have the strength to take another step, I'll keep taking that step. As long as when I pray, I know that you're real and I know that you're there, I'll keep praying. Lord, I don't know why you gave me this burden. I don't know why you've allowed me to shed these tears. I don't know why you've given me this heartache. But, but God, if you'll allow me, I'll look for somebody else who I can see that's going through something similar than what I'm going through, and I'll be a help to them if you just let me get through it. And God, this is not what I've chosen for myself. This is not where I want to be. This is not what I want to deal with. But I'm going to hold myself accountable. I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to do my part. Child of God, quit sitting around and waiting for God to roll back time, to change the circumstances. Get up. You may have tears running down your face, but get to the house of God. Sing with the people of God. Be a blessing to somebody else. Oh, your heart may be broken on the inside, but the best you can, to plaster a smile on your face and be trying to be an encouragement to somebody else. And anytime somebody asks, well, how are you doing? Oh, God is good. God is good. Hannah vowed a vow. Hannah said, God, this is what I want you to do. But let me tell you what I'm going to do. That sure would change the trajectory of a lot of Christians' lives. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. Number four, and finally, Hannah sought help from the right source. Verse number 15, and Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. I have poured out my soul before the Lord. You know, you know what it do, what good it would do for you this morning, child of God? just a few moments, we have our invitation to come pour your soul out to God. When you get home, 
in the privacy of your home, you pour your soul out to God. When you get up in the morning, you pour your soul out to God. See, we, we look for comfort in a place where we were never intended to get comfort. Because we should first go to God for our comfort. I'm thankful. God's blessed me. He's given me a wonderful family. He's given me wonderful friends. I'm the pastor of the Emmanuel Baptist Church. These men work for me. You're my church members. But more than that, you're all my friend. I get comfort from my friends. But can I tell you something this morning? If every one of you walked out of my life, I could still find comfort. Because I have a God who created me. I have a God who knows everything about me. I have a God who is concerned with my sorrow, who is concerned with my difficulty. And I have a God who longs to comfort me, who longs to meet my needs. And friend, I thank God for everybody who's in my life. There's a lot of Christians who make mistakes. They go to man before they go to God. They'll pour their heart out to mom and thank God for mom who listens to all that blubbering. Thank God I don't got to worry about that because I'm not a mom. Just making sure you were aware of that. But don't miss this point this morning. We have a God who we can go to. And there's too many Christians that get on the phone and pour their heart and their soul out to somebody who can't do anything about it. Friend, it's good to have consolation. But why don't we go to the one who can do something about it? Why don't we pour our heart out to the one who can console us, who can heal us, who can change the circumstances? And too many times we're looking for sympathy and we're not looking for healing. Too many times we're looking for a pat on the back and we're not looking for the arms of God to put it, to, to envelope us and, and to care for us and to comfort us. Friend, go to the right place. Go to God. Go to God. Your loved one might be gone, and God's certainly not going to roll back time and change that. But you can have a God that comforts you in that. Pastor, you don't, you don't understand. Oh, I don't understand what it's like for you to live without your loved one. But I understand what it's like for me to live without mine. I know what it's like to have a God who comforts, a God who cares. But let me tell you the tipping point. Let me tell you the healing point. Is when you do the thing that Hannah has done, she made herself accountable. She said, God, no matter what, what happens if this is what I'm going to do? There was no guarantee that God was ever going to give her a child. But she said, I'm going to be what she said, I'm going to put I'm going to put some requirements on me. And then she poured her soul out before the Lord. And I've said this many times through the years. I still think it's true. I think God allows. Many times things that come into our life 
so that we'll talk to him. So that we'll, fearfully speaking, put our head on his shoulder and just cry. God, nobody else understands. We have a God who not only understands, He cares like nobody else can care. And friend, I'm not telling you, your loved one will come back from the dead this morning. I'm not telling you certain circumstances won't be changed. I'm not telling you this morning that words that have been spoken can be unspoken. But I'm telling you, you can have a grieving heart. You can be bitterness of soul and spirit. You can, you can be a person of sorrow. And there is a God who cares. There is a God who can give you comfort. Don't quit. You keep going to God. Very quickly, we know the end of the story. We know that God did give her a child. God, who had shut up her womb, opened her womb. God had a purpose and a plan in that situation. Now this morning, you may be here, you may have the same desire that she had. That does not mean God will answer it the same way that he answered you may look and you may have lost a loved one. You may have had somebody walk out on you. You may have had your heart broken. You say, was God going to change? Does that mean that that person is going to come back to me? They may, they may not. The point is this. God has a plan. And very quickly, God answers prayer generally in three different ways. First one we see in this passage of Scripture, he says yes. Sometimes we say, well, I don't understand why God doesn't give me what I ask. Well, let me ask you this. Have you vowed a vow? Have you held yourself accountable? Have you said, God, I'm going to do everything in my life to please you so that I can get up, so I can have, a, have your heart in this so that I can know what you want? Have you, as she did, vow a vow, I'm going to pray daily. I'm going to beg God. I'm going to pour my heart out. We sit back and say, God, we put it all on God. God, why don't, well, let me ask you this morning. Some, many times God says yes. But before you say, well, he hasn't in my situation, have you vowed a vow? Have you decided to do what you're supposed to do? God answers it. Generally speaking, he answers it in three ways. He answers, first of all, by saying yes. Second of all, he answers our prayer by saying no. So what, what, what determines that? The mind of God. The will of God. What he has planned. The third way, generally speaking, he answers it in a different way than we expected him to answer it. I, I use this as an example. When, my, when our daughter Amanda was sick, we prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and fasted and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for God to heal her. I can stand here today and say, God answered my prayer. He just healed her in a different way than I wish he would have healed her. He healed her and she's never been sick. She's happier than any of us. 
She wouldn't come back if she could. So what is our responsibility? Accepting the will of God and how he answers our prayer. You've got sorrow of heart. There's something that you won't change. You, you pour it out to God. You say, God, I'll do everything that I can do to, to, to change your heart, to get a hold of you. There, there must be an act of God. And it may be something that God's not going to roll back the time, but he can comfort you. He can give you a new future. He can still has life for you to live. But he may change. As we see in this story, he may intercede and he may change the situation. Praise God for that. But he may say no. So the question this morning is, are we still going to keep our eyes focused on God? This morning, nobody likes to have a broken heart. It's not the first. You won't be the last. I do not know the heart of every person here. First of all, I want you to search your heart to make sure you know of your salvation. Are you saved? Perhaps this morning you've been carrying a burden. Maybe others know of it. There's many burdens I know of, I'm aware of. I'm certain there's many I don't. You have a God who cares. Others may misrepresent. Others may not understand. But don't confuse them with God. God is very aware. God is very concerned. But friend, won't you go to the one who can actually do something about it? And sometimes you say, well, it just seems kind of harsh that God would answer somebody else's and not mine. Well, first of all, we don't know the plan of God. But God can comfort you. As only God can. He can give you peace. As only God can. Father, I pray that you would take.